millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Friday, June 14th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, protesters in Holmes County, Lexington, Holmes County, are demanding police be held accountable for creating a culture of fear. Then federal regulators have approved the first over-the-counter birth control pill. Hear from a Mississippi reproductive health care advocate. And... Schools across the state will see increased funding this coming year. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Protests are being held in the town of Lexington as residents claim the city's police force is abusing their power. The city's former chief of police was forced to step down last year after a racist audio recording was made public. But locals say it's done little to fix the problem. In that audio recording, he bragged about how many people, black people, he had killed. Civil rights attorney Jill Jefferson is representing a number of those recently arrested for what residents call trumped-up charges. This community is in a better place than it was a few days ago because we just got another corrupt officer fired. Um, his name is Kadarius Epps. He's one of our, he's one of the defendants in the suit. Um, Julian, a couple of weeks ago, we sent a letter to Lexington's mayor and board of aldermen inf- informing them that per state law, he had to be fired because basically, like procedurally, his time is up on the force. So they just fired him a few days ago. And then we found out that another problematic officer resigned as well right after that. And so, you know, that's at least 20 percent of their of their, you know, officers. Mm -hmm. So we're definitely making an impact. We're really, really proud of that. And we're going to talk about that tonight, you know, but we're in a good place. And so we're we're excited about that progress. What did it take for you, you know, to hold in a, a community meeting like this, having and encouraging residents to speak about? issues in policing here that you faced yourself what did it take for you i guess to take that step after being arrested for a lot of the same things that residents have complained about yeah one thing i'll say is that we've been having community meetings for a long time here um and actually this building (laughs) and so this was this was the place we met last summer you know last july when when we got dobbins fired after we leaked that audio um and so you know, in terms of what it took, I've, I already 
You know, we get calls at 2 o'clock in the morning about police abuse here. The cops are beating somebody up in that very moment, and we have to respond. And so in terms of what it took, it really didn't take anything because we already knew what was going on. You know, um, in terms of my perspective now is definitely more nuanced than it was before, having gone through it myself. You know, I already knew um, pretty well, and having seen a lot of this stuff in other places, I, I knew what was going on, but... Having, you know, seen the process, you know, had my own rights violated. And the thing is, one thing people, I don't think people realize, if they do this to me, what are they going to do to people who are not attorneys, people who don't know what their rights are? Something I want to know, I was here, I guess, a little more than a month ago when the Assistant Attorney General, Kristen Clark, was here. Mm -hmm. Obviously, media wasn't allowed to go in and record it, and I understand why now. But I did hear through the doors, I was in the front of the court, I did hear what some people were saying. And it was, I guess it's to be expected, it was very emotional. It was a lot of really strong comments. And there are some other cases with policing that are at least drawing the attention of the Justice Department too in Mississippi. Yes. There's the case in Taylorsville with Rasheem Carter that's yes. still being investigated. There's Rankin County. Yes. Is this, does this seem systemic to you in any way, that somewhere in the Jackson metro area, somewhere southern Mississippi somewhere here is facing more or less the same issues in the same span of time? This is definitely systemic. You know, this state, basically these rural areas of Mississippi, you have officers who are untrained, a lot of times not even certified, meaning they haven't been to the academy. We know for a fact that officers have been hired off the street and just put in uniforms and sent out without any training, without any explanation of what their duties are, without anything like that. This happens all over the state. To be a sheriff in the state of Mississippi, you don't have to have any type of training. You don't have to get certified in anything. You can be a sheriff in any moment. To be a coroner in Mississippi, to determine cause of death, for people, you don't even have to have medical experience. So it's it's deaf, it's systemic. It's in the system breeds ignorance and it breeds, you know, what is going on with basically this Jim Crow era stuff because people are not getting new practices, they're not being trained, they're watching what their dad, what their fathers did, what their grandfathers did, what their supervisors did on the job, and they're just repeating those practices. And so that's happening all over the state. What I'll say about Lexington and one thing that sets Lexington apart from Rankin County and from from Taylorsville, and I, I grew up in Taylorsville, so I know a lot about Taylorsville, but um, one thing that sets Lexington apart is that this crisis has been quietly happening for two whole years. Mm. This is not new. This has been two years of this community being terrorized every single day. The police just beating people. Did that for begin no with Dobbins being a police yes. chief? Yes, that's when it got. That's when it got bad. Yes. What is, so in 2021. Now that he's gone, what is what's still, continuing it's, then? It's continuing. So <laughs> Dobbins replacement Henderson mm -hmm. is no better. Mm -hmm. Henderson, we know. So just <sighs> Henderson has had so many issues with sexually assaulting women. They knew that before they hired him. Mm -hmm. You know, there are cases that people filed against him before that. There are complaints that people filed against him before they ever hired him. Um, Henderson, I mean, we know just a few months ago, Henderson choked the only female officer on the force in the station. Mm -hmm. We have a woman who gave us an affidavit talking about Henderson held her hostage in her home and sodomized her held her hostage for an hour. 
So this situation, it's not any better. What a lot of people said is that it's actually gotten worse because they feel like people are not paying as much attention as they were before because they thought, okay, when Dobbins is gone, everything is solved now. But everything, it's still there. There are still false arrests. Henderson just falsely arrested a man named John Adams just a couple of weeks ago. Like, this is stuff that's happening every single day here. People are afraid to leave their homes, to come into town. It's that bad. If you ask people, they tell you that. And so in all of this, you know, the difference in what's happening there, what's happening here and what's happening in Rankin County and other places, uh, this is completely unchecked. Like the city is complicit in it. They're not doing anything to hold anybody accountable. They know about these complaints and they're making excuses for them. And so in all of this, this community has basically been quietly going through this to the point where people are even afraid to speak up about what's happened to them because of the police abuse. That's civil rights attorney Jill Jefferson. Lexington Police Chief Charles Henderson declined to comment. Coming up, birth control will soon be available over the counter. A Mississippi reproductive health care advocate shares her thoughts. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. No matter if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone, Everyday Tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. The Federal Drug and Food and Drug Administration has approved the first birth control medication that can be sold over the counter. The once-a-day drug called O-Pill can be bought as easily as aspirin or eye drops without the need for a prescription. Our Lacey Alexander speaks about this landmark decision with Michelle Colon, executive director of Sisters Helping Every Woman Rise and Organize, also known as Shiro. This is a great step to not only bodily autonomy, but also being able to basically weave one's own future, to have control over one's reproductive health care without government intrusion, Without, you know, the policies put in place, without an impediment is always a plus, uh, especially in the current climate, not only in Mississippi, but in this country, with continued attacks against uh, women and people and birthing people in this country and the overturning of Roe v. Wade last year. And Michelle, Shiro specifically, like you said earlier, works with women of color with who maybe don't identify in the gender binary. How will they be helped specifically by this medication? First of all, they won't need a prescription. You know, the majority of Mississippi, because Mississippi is a rural state, even within this past year, we've lost so many of, you know, our health care institutions or centers. Many of those centers are already void of like a reproductive uh, health concentration area or even like, you know, many of these places didn't even have a maternity ward or what have you. And so this is something that women, people, people, people who are non-binary, people with vaginas can go and access birth control without judgment, without shame, without prejudice. And without the barrier of being looked at as, as, as uh, either promiscuous or a loose person, you know, we have, society has this terrible misconception that every, every woman wants to be a parent or every woman should be a parent. 
and that one should be married and that and that that parenthood motherhood is the only role for women. There are plenty of people who have sex. They don't want to uh, be pregnant. And so since we don't have access to legal abortion in the state of Mississippi, um, this is going to be a wonderful advantage for the women and people with vaginas in Mississippi because it is something that they can they can control. This is about their bodies and their choices. And with the approval of this drug and being available to go and get it over the counter in a local pharmacy, in a Walmart, in a Target or somewhere like or even at a Kroger's, this is great. It's all about access. And this makes this particular move makes this uh, birth control option available for those women and those people who are in such areas, rural areas of Mississippi, who don't have access to a health care provider. I'm, I'm glad you brought up the political climate. I'm in a group chat with other queer identifying women in the state, and we were talking about how will people, if they will, politicize this? Do you see certain far-right conservative groups trying to bring up policy that would stop or limit or put exclusions on the selling of this pill? Oh, absolutely. The the right, the uh, anti-women uh, groups, um, anti-abortion people, I call them all antis, will never stop. Um, I'm sure that they're working up and concocting and drafting things as we speak. They, you know, like I said, they've never stopped the overturning of Roe. That was a 50-year fight, and anything to them outside of marriage should be illegal in their minds. Pretty soon, they're going to attempt to outlaw sex. Uh, and anything, any attempt for them to override this, to impede this access, no, nothing will surprise me. That is the reason why I feel. Any group or individual who claims to be progressive, who claims to be doing reproductive work, reproductive justice work, or who claims to be a supporter of the reproductive justice framework should be definitely promoting this. And what I mean by this is having conversations, um, let, getting the word out about this, you know, about this drug being accessible, um, having conversations in their communities. Shiro is a strong supporter of access to any and all health care, especially reproductive health care, especially uh, contraception, um, with, without regard to age or anything like that. You know what I'm saying? So um, this, is, this is a big deal for people in Mississippi. Michelle, thank you for that insight. One last specific question I have for you. We've talked about the politics of this. We've talked about the accessibility. We've talked about how this will impact women of color. Is there any other Mississippi-specific, as someone who advocates and as someone who is in our state, what Mississippi-specific outcomes can we see from this pill? What can we see happening in our state specifically once this pill goes on the shelves? I think we're going to see uh, folks in droves going to the stores and purchasing this pill, if the pill is affordable. Now, there's one thing in having having the access where it's there, but the other draw to accessibility is affordability. So if this is not something that's going to cost like $40, $50, then I think it's going to fly off the shelves. That's the big thing that I'm worried about now. How much is this pill going to cost? How much are these pills going to cost? The monetary amount is still a huge challenge for so many Mississippians, and the, Miss- the most vulnerable Mississippians. It should be free, 
but it needs to be affordable. And so anyone in Mississippi who is seeking this, these pills should not have to choose between feeding their existing families, paying you know, their, their rent or any other utility in order to purchase this particular pill. Yes, well said, Michelle. Thank you so much for all of the information you've shared with us. That's a great point you bring up about price. I mean, Plan B is, I think, $50 for one pill. Um, exactly. So this could that's certainly a big question still ahead. Um, the pill is set to come out in early 2024, I believe. So hopefully we'll get some answers to those questions sooner than later. Michelle, is there anything you'd like to speak on that maybe I forgot to ask you about today? You know, again, this is a very good thing. Uh, You know, this is, again, another step to preserving our bodily autonomy and that this is liberation. This is liberation for birthing people in Mississippi and birthing people all over this country. Um, It's just a shame that, you know, it's come to this that yet now in 2024, we finally have uh, birth control pills that will be available over the counter without a prescription in America. Michelle Colon, Executive Director of Shiro, Mississippi, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you, Lacey. Michelle Colon promotes abortion freedom and is Executive Director of Shiro. Coming up, fully funding Mississippi public schools is an ongoing issue for education advocates. How close is the state to making that a reality? That's ahead. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. What are the cool kids wearing nowadays? A bucket hat and fanny pack. I meant to say a belt bag. That's the 21st century name for it. You can get this MPB branded swag package by making a one-time $60 contribution. You'll also receive a year of PBS Passport to stream new and classic shows. A mix of current and classic. That's Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Make a contribution today at mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Schools across Mississippi continue to be underfunded according to the state formula for education appropriations. The Mississippi Adequate Education Program calculates how much funding each school and district should be given based on their needs, but it's rare for lawmakers to fully fund the program. We speak with Nancy Loom, Executive Director for the Parents Campaign, an organization that advocates for better public school funding and better public schools in Mississippi. She says lawmakers in the Senate did vote to fully fund MAEP this year, but it didn't pass the House. This year in the 2023-24 school year, public schools will be underfunded by about $175 million when that extra $100 million is counted. That compares to the underfunding level in the prior year of Two hundred and seventy-nine million. So we're making strides. Um, they increased funding by a total of about one hundred and seventeen million dollars, and that funding will be put put to good use by school districts across the state to make sure that our children are getting the education they deserve. There is a difference in school districts in terms of resources. What do you attribute that to? That is because of the underfunding of the MAEP. So the, the state's funding formula has been lauded as one of the most equitable in the country. It does a very good job of making sure that students in low-wealth districts have the resources that they need 
to um, to do well and succeed in school. But all of that falls apart when the formula isn't fully funded. What happens is that higher wealth communities are able to raise their local taxes to make up the difference in what called for in the state formula and what the legislature actually provides. Low wealth communities just don't have the tax base that allows them to do that, to make up that difference. And so that is why we see these tremendous inequities that come to light when the formula is underfunded. So this is why it's just so important that the legislature continue to take steps toward full funding of our public schools. Our children in every community deserve a quality education. There has been talk maybe three years ago or so. The legislature looked at changing the formula, but that did not pass. Do you think it's time to revisit looking at changing the formula? Right. There there are some who argue that it calls for too much money. When you compare what our formula calls for to even our neighboring states of, of Arkansas, Alabama, Louisiana, and Tennessee, what we find is that even if the formula were fully funded, we would still be funding our students per student at a significantly lower level than even our neighboring states. However, I do think that it it's always a good idea to take a fresh look at the formula. Certainly there are ways that it can be improved. The Senate took a stab at that in the most recent legislative session. We worked with them on those on some of those changes that they were proposing and actually supported some of the changes that they proposed to the formula. And the, the Senate voted to fully fund the formula with those minor changes, which would have it would have we would have seen a $181 million increase in funding had that passed. It was stopped in the House, unfortunately. So I do think that it's always a good idea to take a fresh look at, at any formula and make sure that it is meeting the needs of students and teachers. Is it even reasonable to expect that we will ever see MAP fully funded? Well, actually, the legislature has voted to fully fund the MAEP four times. In two of those years, um, that's when the Great Recession hit and the revenue came in below expectations, and so budgets were cut mid-year. Therefore, school districts didn't actually receive full funding. But the legislature has voted to do that four times, and then the Senate voted a fifth time in this past legislative session to also fully fund it. We've got plenty of revenue in Mississippi available. We have four times as much extra revenue available as would be required to fully fund the formula. And I think an overwhelming majority of legislators support fully funding the formula. It was stopped in the 2023 legislative session by the leadership in the House. But that leadership is about to change. Speaker Gunn is not seeking re-election. And I believe that given the opportunity to vote on a bill that would have fully funded the formula, we would have seen it pass the House as well. They simply were not given that opportunity. Nancy Loom is executive director of the Parents' Campaign. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.